This is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. Today, leaders changing the world's temperature, consigning even recent figures to a chapter of history characterised by missed opportunities. John Kerry, US Secretary of State in the Obama administration, said this as recently as 2016. Well, it hasn't aged very well. There will be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab world. I want to make that very clear to all of you. I've heard several prominent politicians in Israel sometimes saying, well, the Arab world's in a different place now. We just have to reach out to them and we can work some things with the Arab world and we'll deal with the Palestinians. No, 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 and no. I can tell you that reaffirmed even in the last week as I have talked to leaders of the Arab community. There will be no advance and separate peace with the Arab world without the Palestinian process and Palestinian peace. Everybody needs to understand that. That is a hard reality. This is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. What an extraordinary response to the episode with His Excellency, the Hungarian ambassador to the UK, Ferenc Kumin, smashing by threefold a previous record for daily downloads of Johnny Gould's Jewish State. And this was followed by, at times, a vital and ferocious Facebook debate on forgiveness by thousands of listeners who engaged with my follow-up interview with Ava Schloss and Frank's stepsister, who forgives the Nazis. Thank you. You're making work on this podcast so worthwhile. And if you've not heard either of these episodes or any other, scroll back through the list and download now. And tell your friends about Johnny Gould's Jewish State to subscribe and listen. And if you want to make a contribution, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash Johnny Gould. Because, of course, that's how the young ones spell coffee these days. ko-fi.com slash Johnny Gould. And so to the historic White House signing of the Abraham Accords between Israel, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. It heralds a new era of peace, cooperation and, of course, business. And Jordan, who already signed up for peace with Israel in 1994, take that deal a step further, allowing flights to cross each other's airspace. The agreement will significantly shorten the length of the flights from Israel to the Gulf and East Asia, cutting the time it takes to travel between countries and cutting fuel costs and pollution. But it does other things too. It emboldens individuals to talk more freely about Israel and Islam within the Arab world and reassures minority Jewish communities to stay put in their own countries amid a heightened sense of stability. The senior member of Kosovo's Jewish community said they felt they could stay put after contemplating an escape to Israel. Flore Dedoni has been considering immigrating to Israel for a number of years now, but the new Israeli recognition of their country and Serbia's apparent amenability to normalizing relations with Kosovo are giving the Dedoni family new hope for staying, he said. And Minister of State of the United Arab Emirates, Shama Sohail Al-Mazrui, for Youth Affairs, said this. Good evening uh, and good Shabbos to you all. Um, my heart is truly full, yet I'll insufficiently express what an honor it is to be here with you. It's a humbling occasion for me, and I enter it with a prayer. A prayer that our nations continue to embrace the world as it is, but move forward together. 
this is my first virtual uh, Shabbos dinner, and um, it's my first time to meet uh, uh, the Jewish community of the UAE as well. So thank you, Ross. Um, I've experienced um, Shabbos or Shabbat from afar uh, while in New York, um, seeing my Ashkenazic friends practice their rituals as pathways to peace completeness and wholeness, they made resting on the seventh day seem as logical as it is spiritual. And it modeled the basic human quest for peace and how we're more alike than different. It reminded me personally of the saying of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who said, faith wears out in the heart just as our clothes wear out. So ask Allah to renew uh, faith in our hearts. And there is a powerful similarity to Islam when my friends performed Shabbat because it was a constant reminder for them to go back to God or Yahweh for peace, for provision, um, for a lot of thanksgiving. And you are all teaching me and us in the UAE a new way for Allah to renew our faith and peace in our hearts. And if anything, I truly admire learning from many who are close to God or Yahweh or Allah because we get our strength and peace from God. And we can share that strength with one another. We need one another because we can't simply think our way to peace. We must practice peace as an active practice and trust in its receiving. And we all have an opportunity now to be steady while the world is spitting around us. The warmth of this peace deal between Israel and the UAE, the desire to build bridges in friendship and recognition of the similarities between these two forthright and advanced nations has been as speedy as it has been surprising. And so it is to today's distinguished guest. I'm delighted to welcome His Excellency, the UAE Ambassador Mansour Abulhul to Johnny Gould's Jewish State, Mr. Abulhul has strong personal ties to the UK. His mother, who's lived in the UAE since 1968, was born in Britain. She's from Cambridge. And he also attended school here and Leeds University, where he studied Arabic and politics. On so many levels, the UK and the Emirates have a wonderful connection, says the ambassador. So let's find out more, how and why with Ambassador Abulhul. This is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. For those who listen. For those who are willing to listen. Warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you. A pleasure to, to join you, Johnny, and looking forward to our discussion today. Now, you have strong personal ties to the UK. Your mother, who's lived in the UAE since 1968, was actually born in Britain. She's from Cambridge. And you've described the UK and the UAE to have so many connections culturally, politically, etc. That's absolutely true. I mean, I really see uh, two halves of my life coming together. You couldn't uh, put it better, Johnny. And it, it's, uh, it's one that, you know, it's a, it's a 200 year historic relationship. It was our first embassy that we opened. Uh, and we have, you know, a burgeoning uh, British community in the UAE. Uh, over 100,000 Brits live there. So, I mean, there's strong ties. We have uh, um, many, many Emiratis who have invested in property here, students that study here. It's a deep relationship at the, the bilateral level. Um, so it's one that we really celebrate. And in fact, uh, next year is the UAE's Golden Jubilee. Um, so we'll be ce celebrating uh, 50 years of relations with the UK and I look forward to the next 50 years. Uh, it's been a busy year for us, busy summer for us, should I put rather, with the launch of Mars Mission Probe. So a very exciting one. And um, yeah, we look forward to the next 50 years. So let's just talk about the immense and very sudden change of political climate in the Middle East. 
What does normalization with Israel mean to the United Arab Emirates? I think it's it's one that has, you know, it's certainly a historic breakthrough, you know, and, and one that the brilliance of it, I think it was kept very tight and very much under wraps for good reason. But there's been, you know, there has been a trend if, if we look if we look back uh, and certain indications um, uh, that where you see two very dynamic uh, nations and economies in the region uh, and eventually, um, you know, that sort of convergence uh, for good reason, uh, for peace and prosperity. But along the way, it's one that's that's grown and developed from, if I think back to the uh, the UAE securing the, the award of hosting IRENA, the Renewable Energy Agency, and of course, Israel having a permanent representative there um, uh, through to next year where we where Israel will have a pavilion uh, and a delegation and, and, and many, we hope many Israeli tourists will visit. Uh, so I think it, it's one uh, back to smaller, smaller developments, but important ones where we've invited Israeli sports athletes to compete in major events in the UAE. So it's one that's, that has been, you're quite right, progressive. Uh, but certainly, I think the sort of breakthrough on the diplomatic front here was one that really, I think, was a, a pleasant surprise for everyone. Well, as you hinted at, normalization has, of course, not just come about like suddenly as though it's the big headline as the media would have us uh, think. It's the culmination of a warming relationship with Israel uh, over a number of years, covert actually, and perhaps now it can all come out in the open, perhaps unnecessarily covert before the normalization arrangements. I think it's one where we can truly um, understand what Israel now, we can truly understand what Israel means to the UAE, to the Arab world, to the Muslim community, and move from, you know, if you think decades ago, there was a general indoctrination, um, and we can move from that, those sort of ideological restraints to to politics to actually engaging on multiple levels to, to see how we can build bridges and links and also tackle some of the pressing issues through dialogue and communication. Now of course the Abraham Accords was a very special day and you were joined by Bahrain who also agreed to normalization on the same day so the White House lawn never looked so packed and uh, with great celebration. Has this actually strengthened your brotherhood with Bahrain the fact that you are now um, outliers, I don't think, is, is a fair word to say, but you are the first movers, that there's some pride in the fact that you are looking at a Middle East 2.0 uh, with, uh, with, with your cousins, so to speak, in Bahrain. And, and with our cousins in Israel. But, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, Bahrain, uh, the relationship has never been stronger. And, um, you know, I think that was uh, prior to the announcement. You know, it's one that we share in the GCC and Bahrain is very central to that. So, you know, they, they for their sovereign reasons, took that decision themselves and were at the right time. And so I think it's one um, that we, of course, welcomed. They took their decision for their own reasons, uh, um, which which were similar to ours. But, you know, it's one um, that every country will take when it's the run for them. Uh, and uh, the UAE and Bahrain felt it was. But I think there was an extraordinarily strong relationship already with Bahrain and the UAE. And supporters of Israel amongst us are playing peace bingo as we speak, Your Excellency. We are asking the question, which nation will join the Abraham Accords, will join normalization? Some of the money is on Oman. Uh, Sudan have said on a number of occasions that they look to Israel for cooperation in the future. President Trump at the after... Uh, event news conference talked about as many as five uh, Arab nations 
were in advanced talks. Q8 has been talked about. And you've hinted yourself that uh, uh, UAA and Bahrain are just the start. Uh, where can we see the headlines coming from next, sir? I, I would hate to speculate. You know, I take much direction or we take much direction in the UAE from the statements of the Trump administration. Uh, and they were actually the main contributing factor in terms of bringing together the Abraham Accords. So they would have good sight, I would imagine, in terms of which countries they're speaking to, uh, to bring bring together a trilateral, uh, you know, that, that type of approach. But you have to remember the US has played a, an important role here in, uh, in terms of its commitment also to the Middle East and that, that part of the world. We would look to them in terms of which countries come next. And of course, um, countries assess that in their own time. Ambassador, what do you say to the politicians of the past and perhaps some less than judicious ones of today who claim a Middle East peace can only be achieved by including the Palestinians? Uh, You're proving a lot of people wrong with your first actions. Uh, I disagree there. We we very much include the Palestinians. We're very we're staunch supporters uh, of the just cause for the Palestinians. And, you know, this is very much in line with UN resolutions. Uh, with a two-state solution, a negotiated settlement. So I think it's one that is very, very inclusive. Uh, and, you know, at the, at the heart of it is a two, two-state solution, UN resolutions, the Arab Peace Initiative. Um, so it's one that we want to find a just cause, both for Palestinians and Israelis. Uh, and so uh, for us, what we've done is is we feel we have removed annexation. Um, you, uh, we've halted our annexation uh, and this allows the space and the time for the Palestinians now to come in and engage. And it's important that the international community, I think, also um, urge and play a role in, in that, uh, in persuading both sides. Only the Israelis and Palestinians can actually uh, come together uh, and, 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 and take forward those discussions. But of course, it comes in the uh, face of the latest Palestinian rejectionism. We hear the term... No, no, a thousand times no. Um, This was the start of the negotiation with another interviewee I'm very proud to have spoken to earlier on in the series of Johnny Gould's Jewish State, Jason Greenblatt, uh, the architect uh, with Jared Kushner and David Friedman of the Peace to Prosperity Plan. And, you know, in spite of that, in spite of your support for the Palestinians, this is a way that I guess both of you believe that you can not force the Palestinians to the table, but, but, but confront them with a new reality, that rejectionism cannot stop a process of peace, which uh, is a train that's moving at the moment without them. I think, you know, the region is a, is a story of lost opportunities, uh, and we feel a new way had to be, uh, had to be tried here. Uh, and it's one that, you know, the, the Palestinians uh, need to recognise that and see that there is opportunity there uh, for them. In some ways as well, uh, you mentioned um, uh, Greenblatt and, you know, I think it's, um, we have to, we have to also um, uh, recognize that uh, there has been almost um, a triumph of religious diplomacy in many ways, uh, where I think the UA has really kind of stepped forward in in big strides in terms of acceptance of others uh, and interfaith dialogue. Uh, emerging as a centre for interreligious dialogue. We had the visit of the, the head of the Catholic Church to the Pope, the first time the Pope visited the Arabian Peninsula last year. Um, so all those things, I think, added to the, 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 the trust that you have to develop within, the, within this dialogue uh, of, of bringing together, you know, culminating in the Abraham Accords. What we don't want is for parties to be denied that 
be it Israel, Palestine, or, or the UAE, or any other country, to be denied actually a place at the table to dialogue. And I think it's Palestinian leadership should recognize. Are you playing catch up with Johnny Gould's Jewish state? I've had the pleasure of some really great guests. How about Douglas Murray? Israel is a rare country in the West uh, in that it does buck many of the trends. I mean, there, isn't a, there isn't a fertility rate problem in, in Israel. Um, for instance, as there, there is in, in most European countries. There is a strong feeling of nationhood and of the depths that the country needs to call upon in order to unite its people. And Hillel Neuer, whose UN Watch keeps check on the excesses and mission creep of the UN human rights in Geneva. The challenges are great. They're not going away. I am concerned by the cultural revolution that we've experienced in America in the past five years, the known to some of the woke revolution, where there's a kind of a McCarthyism. If you say something, it could be cancelled and fired from your university, from your corporation, uh, from uh, journalists. And often it's uh, it's an anti-liberalism. So that, that to be honest, really, really scares me because we need our democracies to be healthy, to be honest, to be, to be truth-tellers. And so I am deeply concerned. If you like Johnny's regular podcasts, think about making a donation at either patreon.com slash Johnny Gould or buy him a coffee. He loves coffee. ko-fi.com slash Johnny Gould. Indeed. Uh, let's celebrate uh, the uh, pluralism of the United Arab Emirates. Uh, Ed Hussein, who also joined me on the podcast a few episodes ago, uh, talked excitedly about a, an area where there is a mosque, a church, and a synagogue in the UAE. Indeed, in Bahrain, um, there has been a Jewish cabinet minister, hasn't there, in the, uh, in the administration for, for many years. Times they are changing as Bob Dylan, uh, your cousin... <laughs> from from the Americas uh, would have said in the 1960s. Um, times they are a changing, uh, you know, and I think the announcement uh, on on the back of the the Pope's visit uh, and uh, meeting with the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, signing of a human human fraternity document with many other religious leaders there, uh, and the announcement of the Abraham Abrahamic family house in Abu Dhabi, which will be you know, this historic complex that brings together a synagogue, a church and a mosque uh, and really one one platform where, you know, the, the monotheistic religions can can uh, worship alongside each other and other faiths can also understand um, an education centre. So I really think in the representation of that in a physical form in one of the premier locations in Abu Dhabi is, is really sending a strong statement of what the UAE is about and also sending a statement against the narrative of hate that we suffer from so much in the region. Pushing back against that narrative of hate is, you know, is a continuous intellectual fight that we have to have. When I think back to, I mean, I won't go on for too long on this point, but I, I think back to, you know, where did this really start from in the UAE? 
um, that acceptance of others. And we can really trace it back to our founding father, Sheikh Zayed, uh, and to our forefathers in the desert who, who um, you know, didn't necessarily have a, a sort of an intellectual theological position on this, but it was more their expression of humanity and generosity and acceptance of others. And you can draw a line from the 1950s almost straight through to the leadership of today and His Highness Sheikh Hamad bin Zayed in 2020, and in terms of uh, them inviting the Pope, uh, the Abrahamic family house, you know, and so all those, all those, those are uh, significant steps to where we've, where we've, you know, really this breakthrough in, on the diplomatic front with the signing of the Abraham Accords, and on the peace and prosperity front. I mean, the all the, you know, the potential uh, collaboration around priority sectors, the the uh, Israeli economy. Um, is slightly smaller than the UAE, but very high tech, you know. So we look to look to them for, for those those areas of cooperation, uh, and I'm sure they're looking to the UAE um, as a springboard to the wider region and, and also securing deals there. Talking of springboards, um, Dubai and Tel Aviv are two of the most exciting cities in the Middle East. Uh, what partnerships will emerge from peace? Well, I think we've talked about the religious, and that will be a continuing dialogue. The the Abrahamic family house is due for completion in 2022. Uh, so I think from there, a lot will emerge. On the other areas, I mean, this is a cross, this is a far-reaching uh, bilateral arrangement, and there will be, it goes from medical to life sciences to education. So there'll be exchange of tourism, aviation, you know, all the, all the hard work that goes into developing a bilateral relationship. But you know, on top of that, you've got two of the most dynamic economies in the region. So they're really going to be, there's already been significant collaboration on COVID-19. Um, DP World uh, have have uh, signed an MOU or an agreement with um, an Israeli counterpart, and they'll be bidding, as I understand, for Hofer Port and other infrastructural projects. There's banking arrangements and agreements that are being announced as we speak. So I think it's in the order, I've heard estimates of in the order of uh, $300 million to $500 million worth of economic uh, deals um, in the pipeline. So I think it's probably much more than that. But, you know, I think, you know, those are, those are just the starts. And there's a lot of conversation. Our, uh, of course, we had a very important call yesterday between um, uh, the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi and Prime Minister Netanyahu. Um, you know, and the uh, the approval by the um, the Israeli cabinet of the Abraham Accords. There's been um, our Minister of Culture, Her Excellency Nora Kabi, has engaged with her counterpart. So I think they're they're moving as fast as they can. But there's there's so much there, you know, because uh, there's so much so much potential. Indeed, the the warmth of this uh, peace deal for want of a better word, I think it's possibly the best word, uh, uh, has been incredible to, to watch. Um, it's not a marriage of convenience. It really, there really is a genuine warmth and, and a race to build bridges. It's, it's yeah, uh, really, very, really special very special to see, to see for, all for all supporters of Israel, for all supporters of uh, peace with those who wish to make peace with Israel as well and, and the Arab world. I must add, of course, we had uh, my boss, Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed, uh, met his counterpart in, in Berlin uh, recently that was brought together by um, uh, Heiko Maas uh, and uh, they paid their respects to the uh, Holocaust Memorial in Berlin. Yeah. So, I mean, I th- you've got these really important developments uh, happening very soon after the, the announcement of the Abraham Accords. Indeed. One of my uh, last interviews was Ambassador Ferenc Kumin who, uh, of Hungary who uh, told me that he felt a moral drive to reach out to Israel and the Jewish community. And of course, Hungary has a 
very troubled 1944 uh, in relation to its uh, Jewish community, but he referred to the religious communities who left Hungary, were expelled or murdered um, by the Hungarians and the Nazi invasion, the German invasion, uh, that he felt a, a moral courage. And of course, inside the European Union, um, Hungary are trying to effect uh, the new debate, the, perhaps the, the, the new movement towards peace that yourselves and Bahrain and President Trump in the United States are pushing towards this version of pursuing peace. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, peace, in essence, the UAE is a peace building nation, very, you know, true to, um, uh, you know, all our policy and a major tenet. And so I think you see many steps the UAE has taken. The Abraham Accord is a significant one uh, that we should all mark, but developing links and bridges uh, um, through uh, prosperity and economic prosperity and, and collaboration, cooperation is the way where you can actually um, exercise positive leverage over one another. Uh, and also, we feel that from that, we can probably uh, find ways to dialogue with the Israelis, um, particularly over, over issues uh, such as the Palestinian cause, with more effect and, and more leverage. Ambassador, geographically, Israel is, of course, not far from the southernmost point of the European Union. Uh, so our next question would be, is the possibility of this new cooperation actually a challenge to the EU, not just an economic one, um, because of course Israel and, and, and Dubai, two of the most exciting and developed um, tiger economies, uh, perhaps they're moving out of tiger now into sort of fully grown animal uh, economy, and, and they're near Greece, and they're near Malta, and they're near the southern point of Italy. And so the, the question I'm asking is actually not just a, 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 an economic challenge uh, to the sort of wider region of the Middle East to Southern Europe, but also a concept of uh, nations uh, getting together in, in cooperation, that rather than a big clumpy European Union of 27 nations, uh, that actually um, nation states, I mean, you know, there's not going to be a political and cultural merger of the UAE and Israel. There will be, you know, two independent states working in friendship, trade, cooperation. So perhaps that, uh, you know, an example of, should we say, Brexit <laughs> to, the, uh, to, the world of, uh, to, to the world of the Middle East? It's an interesting perspective. I wouldn't go so far as, uh, as, as that. I mean, we, um, of course, have very, very uh, strong relationships. Uh, the UAE has very strong relationships, as Israel, I imagine, does with the EU. Um, you know, and uh, the fact that we are um, building bridges uh, and building strength and prosperity in the region will only will only be to, you know to the interest of the EU. So I think we're, we're that that's where we stand on that. We had some un unfortunate news, uh, I think, from uh, from an Arab point of view, that the Palestinian Authority decided to leave the Arab League. But the question is, could the Arab League become the vehicle for a regional peace? a sort of NATO, if you like, of willing Arab states who test the temperature, who see what the UAE and Bahrain have done, and those around that central concentric circle of your two nations considering their positions and, and moving on towards peace. Could the Arab League be, be the vehicle for peace? So I, I don't think the, um, the, the, the Palestinians haven't left the Arab League. I think they've stepped down from the chair chairmanship uh, that they're currently uh, we're, we're assuming 
I think the Arab League is very much uh, front and centre um, uh, and has been. Uh, uh, um, and, you know, the, uh, with, with that comes the UN resolutions and the Arab Peace Initiative. Uh, and so uh, we see that very much uh, built into um, the accord and running true with the accord. Uh, and so I, th I think it's one that we would, you know, we would always uh, engage uh, and try to leverage in the interest of arriving at uh, a successful dialogue and communication between the Palestinians and Israelis. Now, of course, Israel is a, a pluralistic society as well. Um, it has a 20% Muslim population, of course, uh, an Arab population in cities like Haifa and Jerusalem, of course. Um, it's uh, a long-held community and with religious freedoms, etc. Is it, is it beyond the realms of possibility that Israel could send a, an Israeli Arab member of its uh, country to be a member of the Arab League? Could Israel be part of the Arab League discussion? I think that's one that I, I, I couldn't really uh, speculate on, and probably one the, the you know the Israeli government um, would 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 comment on, and, and the representative from the Arab League. Um, but the the region is moving in a very interesting way, and clearly for uh, for in the interest of peace, in the interest of prosperity, in the interest of our youth, these type of steps are key to decision making, and have, have proven that. Uh, being able to adapt uh, and evolve uh, as required is something that many uh, uh, nations are, are doing. Your Excellency, both uh, countries are examining missions in space. Uh, Israel nearly made it with their project. And of course, you've mentioned it at the start of the interview. Imagine if this new cooperation might end up in a, in a joint Middle East mission. I know obviously COVID is perhaps top of the table of demands upon you in terms of cooperation. But uh, what about space? I spoke to the Minister for Space in, in a former uh, role. In fact, he was uh, the former chief of Shin Bet, Yaakov Peri, who uh, in his uh, short time in, in government was also the Minister for Space and marvelled at the idea that Israel, just, uh, what, 72 years after formation, was sending, uh, <laughs> was sending Jewish people into space. Uh, and I'm just wondering whether uh, you, and the, uh, you, you and the Israelis are... Uh, boffins together working on uh, how we can um, walk on the yeah, moon that's a priority sector i mean space is space and science uh, have been identified as key priority sectors so it wouldn't surprise me um, you know we very advanced uh, nations uh, collaboration around the area of space uh, and it you know it's the it's sort of the advanced sciences the research side uh, that supports our, our education sector so well uh, you know and um, advancing our industries um, we have our probe uh, Mars, uh, Hope Mars is going going to Mar on its way to Mars, uh, hundreds of millions of kilometres into space. Um, so I think you know the UAE is very committed to this sector, as I, as I understand the Israelis are. So I think it's going to be an interesting one uh, to watch. Now, of course, Israel welcomes a new ambassador, Chotevelli, uh, to uh, Kensington, in London, uh, with the departure of Ambassador Mark Regev to uh, the. Uh, Prime Minister's office once more, one of the most lucid and uh, clear speakers in English. A bit like your good self, sir, if I don't mind, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, but uh, my question is, obviously, with this new uh, warmth, this new normalisation that I presume one of the first dates in the diary with social distancing in mind will be with the uh, new Israeli ambassador, sir. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I really look forward. She's only just arrived, Basta Hotvelli, uh, and uh, I look forward to take, you know, we're at the outset, we're building the relationship from uh, from the grassroots level. So I really look forward to, as I'm sure she would, uh, to, to meeting her uh, and, and engaging. And I think it'll be interesting, um, you know, I'm sure with the UK side as well, um, potentially later on down the line, hosting events in London, um, uh, which I think will be a significance as I say, these the priority sectors that have been identified um, in in the relationship as we seek to build it with Israel, are, many of those overlap with ones we have with the UK. Ambassador, you will have seen probably the headlines over the weekend, a most unfortunate incident between uh, Palestine Action and a small group of uh, Israeli supporters where red paint was thrown uh, at um, Israeli supporters, a handful of uh, peaceable Israeli supporters, which the police intervened with, uh, with, with immediate uh, force and uh, arrests were made and uh, charges have been forced, which, which does bring the question up that obviously Ambassador Khotovelli will, as part of her role, try to combat anti-Semitism um, on behalf of the Israeli government here in the UK. And uh, I guess with your normalisation with Israel, I, I, you, would, you would be brought in to support uh, this idea of uh, bringing peace to our streets here in the UK. Absolutely. Absolutely, I think you've 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 touched upon a really important point um, that you know if we can if we can normalise relations uh, with Israel uh, and we have we we have had a Jewish community in the UAE going back to 2000 uh, at the first synagogue uh, in in the UAE 2008 obviously the announcement of the Abraham Abrahamic family house um, you know I think I think there's an important lesson to be learned here uh, um, that um, if we can do that then there's really no excuse for um, the narrative of hate to be here, anti-Semitism to be here in the UK. And it's it's not one that I say, I think it's one that we all have to work at continuously, that narrative of hate. And, uh, and we have to remove those that seek to divide us and seek to manipulate uh, and, and create fear, you know, um, that obviously separates people. And I think it's one that absolutely, you know, it's one that we, it's an intellectual fight against the extremists. Um, that's as important as, you know, uh, collaboration around counterterrorism and security. Your Excellency, let's talk football now, the Premier League. Um, let's mention Arsenal and Manchester City. And have I missed anyone with a UAE investment uh, along the way? Certainly the Emirates Stadium and the Etihad rather stamp uh, one's uh, country's ownership on the, uh, on the stadium. I'm waiting for the El Al Stadium, although I'm not sure that's... Uh, that's I think they've got other priorities at the moment, but... Um, the UAE involvement in football in the in this time of uh, of great uh, pressure, I think, on, on the Premier League to act to support the rest of the football industry is something that perhaps you you might support. You know, I think sport has a wonderful uh, wonderful sort of uh, dimension here. Um, I'm not, forgive me, Johnny. I'm not a sort of a fan, football fanatic, although I love I love watching sort of major games and stuff. I'm more I, I love horse racing, so that's that's sort of my, my on a personal note. But uh, um, but no, these are you know the the Man City and uh, the commitment that the UA has given there is significant, and it's one that you know I think it's uh, we see sport uh, and sporting initiatives as as a great way to sort of bring peoples together. Who do you support? I support I support Aston Villa, which is owned by uh, Mr. Sawiris of Egypt and um, Mr. Edens of the United States. So there's cooperation for you. There is. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. We're doing quite well at the moment. Early days, as as they say, early days in the season. 
And uh, just you mentioned horse racing there. That's uh, a very interesting angle, of course. Is that a familial thing? Because, of course, the UAE is world famous, it's fair to say, uh, with its uh, pedigree in horse racing. You take on our queen quite a bit. <laughs> so, I mean, it's one that, I, that, I, that has connected, the, you know, the interest for um, horse racing, the equestrian sports is one that has kind of connected uh, the UAE and the UK and Sheikh Zayed's love for the Arabian horse, uh, Arab horse racing uh, was also, and the breeding side. Uh, and, and turning to sort of the thoroughbred side, it, it's one that, you know, Emiratis have huge interest in, in the UK racing scene. Uh, and we, of course, have the Dubai World Cup, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's run under usual circumstances in March uh, every year. And so, uh, you know, the, it's one that we, we see also the connectivity in terms of people enjoying it. Many British people travel to, um, uh, to the UAE to watch those races. Uh, so we have the carnival before. And I, I, yeah, I think it's one of those great, great connectors. And sir, as we uh, draw this interview to a close, do you have a message for Israel and for the Jewish community in the UK uh, today? As uh, this is one of the first opportunities uh, to address uh, this country, to address Israel and to address the Jewish community in English, um, not just here, but across the world. That, thank you for that opportunity. And of course, to Israel, uh, on a personal note, I look forward to being able to visit uh, when the situation allows and, and pay my respects to Yad Vashem but also to get to know the country uh, um, uh, and and see, you know, it's, it fascinates me, um, all the, it's very high tech country and the collaboration around the economic sectors. Uh, to the Jewish community uh, in the UK, you know, I'd urge them and encourage them when the situation allows to visit the UAE, it's, uh, you know, they'd find it home from home. So it's, um, it's very, very easy to get there. And, uh, you know, there's lots to see from, you know, the tallest building in the world to a uh, 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 cultural arts scene, the Louvre Museum in Abu Dhabi, to the island resorts, the desert resorts. So it's just one that I would really, it, it's very safe, very secure. And we, we welcome you when the situation allows. Obviously, we've got the, the issue with the pandemic at the moment. But, you know, when that, when that changes and allows, we, it's one that, you know, Emiratis look forward to visiting Israel and um, we look forward to welcoming Israelis to the UAE and, and also Jewish people here uh, in the UK to the UAE. Wonderful news and obviously we saw the very very uh, public uh, flight from Israel to the UAE of uh, Jared Kushner um, sending a message to, to Jews all around the world, to uh, the Arabs around the world that you know there is a new uh, opportunity for, for peace and it's possible and indeed one of my more surreal moments in life was going into a hotel gym in Elat and talking to Lord Coe, who was uh, training his upper body and told me that uh, whilst on holiday in Elat and he enjoyed Elat very much, he'd also just come from the UAE. So all those years ago, he was proving that uh, you could holiday in both places. It was quite possible. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Your Excellency Mansour Abulhul, Ambassador of the United Arab Emirates to the UK. Thank you very much indeed for joining us here on Johnny Gould's Jewish State. Johnny, it's a real pleasure to have been with you today and thank you for the interview. It was a real, real honour. Thank you. Thank you. Never miss another Johnny Gould's Jewish State. And be first to hear the next show by subscribing now. Follow Johnny Gould on Twitter and Johnny Gould Show on Facebook. And if you liked what you heard today, leave a rating or review. That really helps bring more listeners to the show.